I get so scared when I see that red light light up. <laughs> it is pretty. Why? Why is that? Like, what is that in the human condition that makes us so scared? It's 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 kind of like how like with the text message, like people are like, please don't call me, dude. Like that gets me so nervous. But like you could text all day because like with a text, you type it out and then you can read it and then you can undo it and then say something else. You you have you have a buffer period before it goes from your brain to your mouth to the person's ears. But when you're on the phone, there's no buffer between you speaking and them hearing it. And you're like, maybe I shouldn't have said it like that. (laughs) See, I like that, though. Yeah, I feel like that's like you would you would like that. I'd rather have that than I would rather have red receipts any day of the week, because those are just the scariest. Oh, yeah, true. You say something to someone and then they all they all it says is they've seen it. When you're literally talking about something super important and you're just like, okay, bro, I know you're just fucking watching some Naruto right now or something. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You could just really <laughs> answer this goddamn text because I'm trying to like, what, you want to do this or you not want to do this? Like, you know, like the yeah. hotel's booked, like, are we going on this trip or not? It's in two days. And you're just sitting there watching Naruto. Like, yeah. that was literally a situation that happened to me like three weeks ago. And guess what? The trip didn't happen. Shout out Mike Molnar. Who does Dude. listen to the podcast? Shout out Mike Molnar. Remember when we were gonna go see Third Eye Blind? Mike, patterns emerge. Mike. Anyways, Andrew, um, we do have a decent amount of time for this episode today, but That's we don't true. have the most amount of time. That's so true. Well, I'm gonna start it by asking you a question, if you don't mind. The question, yeah. Would the question be, who are we talking about today? Uh, indirectly, I guess. What I was gonna okay, ask I'll take you it down. I'll take it down. specifically, what I was gonna ask you specifically, what I'm gonna ask you specifically is Have you heard Taylor Swift's new surprise album, Folklore? I have. Really? Why do you ask? Well, because I also listened to Taylor Swift's surprise album, Folklore. And. I was curious, since we literally haven't spoken about it at all, one little bit, through any form of communication, um, just want to know what you thought of it. You like it? You don't like it? You know? Let's, let's, figured we could get into that. You got about an hour to talk about it? If that's the topic you want to cover today. Listen, I know that we've never done it before in our entire lives, and I'll get into that, but do you want to spend an hour talking about Taylor Swift? Well, Sun Tzu did say, know thy enemy. And so, with that being said, I am definitely down to speak about Taylor Swift. By the way, that was just a joke, because I'm currently reading The Art of War. I actually really love Taylor Swift. She's not an enemy at all. In fact, I hope we could be friends one day. Yeah, same, same. It's a a slog, let's be honest. It's it's just so much (laughs) in one book. It's only like 180 pages, and it's, it's thick with knowledge. But look... There's a lot to do at my job, and I can let my brain rot by sitting there listening to music all day, or I can stimulate it the few seconds I have yeah. in between washing M- golf carts. Music, music is so mind-rotting, dude. Well, you know what I mean. It's just like over and over again. And you're just like, okay, like I enjoyed listening to a lot of music today, but what do I have to show for it? Right, you know? right. No, I got you, I got you. Maybe that's bad fodder to start off our music talk show. No, listen, listen. It, we can listen. <laughs> I'm just let's being honest, listen. Why, since you started it, let's just air it out. All right. I have spent Taylor Swift's entire career up until a few days ago, probably uh, being a Taylor Swift hater, hundred percent. Like when she first came out, I just didn't really care. I didn't didn't have any opinion on her. I was just like, yeah, whatever, country girl, singer songs, I don't care. But I don't know if it was the fans or if it was like the coverage of her or if it was my ex-girlfriend telling me just the most annoying things about her that I just didn't care about and made me angry to listen to. I don't know what it was, but at some point, I didn't like her. I just decided I didn't like her as a person. I just decided I knew who she was, and I was like, I don't like her. And I've decided that because I don't like her, she's she can't sing, and she can't write songs, and she can't dance. And that was just how I was living my life. Do you know who also can't dance? Who? Phil Collins. <laughs> I can't dance. Anyways, um, <laughs> great song. I would love to do a Phil Collins episode. But, well, yeah, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll so, get there. We'll get there. I also want to ask the audience, how do you feel about Taylor Swift? And let us know in the comments below. If you're audio listening right now, we are on YouTube. That is youtube.com slash talking with Andrew and Chris. Please subscribe. Please like this episode. 
we want to go live one day, but we don't have enough of you there yet to do that. So right, right. If you want to interact with us as we do this, that's the the one way ticket to yeah. doing that. And if you think so. that it's silly when it's just the two of us recording an episode, then you have no idea how weird we can get with an audience to egg us on. And also just how much fun would it be to have, like last week when we did the boy band episode, have people interacting and being like, yo, you guys suck, the Beatles are in a boy band. Or people being like, wow, I didn't think about it like that. Like, that would yeah, be yeah. interesting. Or like, I F, would like F that. you guys, Harry Styles sucks. It's all about it's all about Louis. You guys didn't give Louis enough love. <laughs> exactly. I would, I would, listen, I would love to get into some dumbass arguments in the comments. All right. I'm into that. Me, me as well. I, well, yeah, and just discussions. They don't always have to be arguments. Let's of course, not be of too course. tribalized. But with that being said, <laughs> someone who I think essentially was sort of painting the, the political landscape with just like how people felt about her and how marginalized people were either on one side or the other side is Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I don't really know why this happened. So we can get up to folklore, but if it's okay with you, mm-hmm. I kind of want to go back to like, the beginning, as far as what I know about her beginnings, I'm not okay. saying that I was out there listening to like what is Fearless, one of the early albums, right? That's that's, that's one the of that's the second album, yeah. First album is album? just self-titled. Self-titled. That's what I thought. The hit the, I, the I, hits on the first one were Tim McGraw, which I honestly haven't listened to, and Teardrops on My Guitar, which a song. It's a banger. A song is flames. Listen, there's a piano radio single one, or not piano, just radio version, which was fine, but the pop version, wow. Blew me away. So having uh, watched the documentary, like how much of her earlier history do they go into? Because for Not me, a lot. she wasn't there. And then all of a sudden I heard like, what's that one song? Uh, you Belong With Me. I'm right. going to try not to sing too much on this podcast because I remember we're on YouTube now and that is not okay. Right. But I just remember like out of nowhere, You Belong With Me came out and it just was incredibly yep. huge. And before then, apparently she had like, which I got back and I, I, which I went back and listened to like You. I thought that that was a great song. Mm-hmm. Really enjoy that one. But but she was obviously just going to stay in that like country pop realm. But then I feel like You Belong With Me was like her first like, oh, wow, there's a little bit of Michelle Branch in there. There's a little bit of like, you know, not quite, Christi- like, um, right. sorry, not Christina Aguilera. Uh, who's the other one? The more uh, Avril Lavigne, but it just not as punk, but like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. feel on a right. chorus. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the rock vibe. Yeah, I'll admit when Folklore came out and I listened to it and I was like, hold on, this... I like a Taylor Swift album. What's happening to me? I don't know what's going on. So then I looked, I started to just like, I, I had like a grown up moment where I was like, wait a minute. I don't even remember why I don't like her. I should just give her a chance. And then I did. And I'm glad I did. But yeah, why didn't you like her, by the way? I think that'd be interesting to get into. I mean, I think part of it, part of it is definitely the fan base because it's the same reason why, like, I had similar feelings toward the 1975 and Five Seconds of Summer like when they were like ginormous, you know, like the biggest they were because it was like all these people on Twitter were just like, oh my God, like the 1975 are changing music and like, oh my God, Five Seconds of Summer are the greatest band to have ever lived. Like they're so cool and punk rock. And I'm like, what am I looking at right now? I'm like, I've barely heard of these guys and these people are like crying over these people. I'm like, these people are weird. So I think that definitely, when a fan base is like, you have to listen to this person because if you don't, you're an uncultured swine because they're literally making history. Then I'm like, you're freaking me out and I don't like that. Yeah, right? It's like, whoa, Stalin, why don't you just calm down a bit? (laughs) Exactly. I have my own opinion. (laughs) And it's just like when people are like, wait, you haven't seen this movie or this TV show? What's wrong with you? It's so good. You have to. Like it will change yeah. your life, and then you're like, now you're now you're telling me to go watch something, expecting myself to not be the same after watching it. Like you can't go into anything thinking that because then you're just gonna be disappointed. And that was just my life with that. So that happened with right. Taylor Swift. But then also on a personal note, I was dating a girl that I'm not gonna get into because she was not very nice to me when I was dating her. But that's just another story. She loved Taylor Swift. She was always telling me like, oh, she you know writes all of her own songs like by herself. And then, like, when I was there, Red came out, which has, like, I Knew You Were Trouble and 22 and all that stuff. And I Knew You Were Trouble has, like, a kind of, I mean, very barely dubstep vibe. You know, it does the boo, whoa, boo, whoa. Her first flirtation with uh, Right, right, right. And I remember she was... She was like, oh, well, uh, your friend's band doesn't write their own songs. And I'm like, they didn't write two of them, and they've written every single one after that, but whatever. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. Taylor Swift doesn't write her songs. And she's like, what do you mean? She said she wanted to put dubstep into a song. And I'm like, wanting to put something into a song and then being able to put it into a song are two different things. Also, have you heard of Max Martin? But whatever. So it was stuff like that. And then I was just like, 
forget Taylor Swift. She's annoying. And then like the Kanye stuff came out and I'm sure that I just sided on the people that are like, oh, this girl's like all whiny and she's whatever, like a spoiled brat or whatever. And I was probably just like, hell yeah, she's a spoiled brat. This girl's stupid and annoying. And Which, I was just way, feeding just into give, all that. Yeah, just to give my little take on the whole Kanye situation, I actually like really enjoy Kanye. Um, Jesus was... I think I forgot to put it in our uh, episode that never <coughs> aired about my top 10 favorite albums of last decade. Like, I, I actually really enjoy Kanye. I have a lot of good memories listening to his music. And I just mm-hmm. think as a person, he, uh, I think that he is just, he needs like a real friend. I feel like he doesn't have a real friend. And, well, I mean, uh, it just came out also <laughs> that, you know, like Kim Kardashian was just talking about how he's bipolar and stuff, which definitely plays a big part oh, into like... I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, because yeah, so yeah, I mean. he like, had, he a, whole, a, friend, he had a whole meltdown on Twitter recently where he was like, Kim and Chris are trying to get me to go to a mental hospital and like, mm-hmm. I could have beaten Biden running for president, but like, I didn't want to and all this other so, stuff. And like, people are like, dude, what's wrong with you? And then Kim Kardashian came out and was like, he has bipolar disorder. We're trying to like figure this all out. Obviously, that's why he gets all like crazy on Twitter and stuff because he has episodes so whatever she, like supporting him though oh yeah yeah no she's with him she's right, not like cool. fuck you she's like guys just try to understand he's like going through some shit gotcha okay yeah so that that's I'm actually glad that you uh you brought that up because like I, I was gonna sort of say like that is kind of why I, I don't know these types of things because mm-hmm. so I don't I also never really got the whole Taylor Swift coming out and people hating her thing. I've always been into the type of music that I was into, and I had a brief moment, like, you know, a year, year and a half ago, where I was into the pop culture associated with the pop music, but that's never really been where I've stood. I've liked a lot of mainstream artists, like, for example, Taylor Swift's Red album, apparently, Spotify says, is one of my uh, my go-to records in their thing. I don't think I listen that's to that funny. much music anymore that isn't Billy Joel. Like, I listen to a lot of music, but it's mostly Billy Joel. And, so that's and like, Ska. And Scott, yeah, but I mean that's a given, and uh, so that's that's kind of like, but I never really knew the reasons behind the Kanye thing. I never really knew why right. people were hating her. So that's for me. Well, it's just like I like her a lot for the, just the writing, the songwriting, the music. Mm-hmm. I know it's like pop and it's like generic, and sometimes it's. But I think she's like top tier at that. Mm-hmm. And also, pop music is very intricate too. If you study it and you get into it and go on to make it, like we did for a little while there, so. It's kind of interesting that we kind of come at it from two different perspectives. Our journey with someone who was uh, the, what was it, number one artist of last decade? They gave her the award at the uh, the Grammys or something. Most influential artist, probably something like that. I know that she her. She won um, one of those. I look it up right now. What was it? Oh, it? They just said it in the documentary I watched. She had. She had an album. I think either an album or a song that was at the the number one spot for like longer than anyone except i think the beatles or michael jackson it was one of those two that was like she was at the top for like such a long time that the only person that was there longer were either the beatles or michael jackson i can't remember which one yep yep so but she's definitely now um, she's she's hit it big uh, yeah this comes from ctvnews.ca Taylor Swift has moonwalked past Michael Jackson's record at the 2019 American Music Awards, taking home six honors, including Artist oh. of the Year and Artist of the Decade. Okay. So the AMA. That wasn't what I was her. talking about, but that's also great. Yeah. So she's like, whether you like her or not, she's here to stay at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. A very yeah. influential figure. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. In my brain, because like I was a hater and I didn't care to fact check if any of my hate was you know true or not <laughs> uh that i just assumed that she like <laughs> i knew i figured that she wrote some lyrics because like obviously another thing that like if you don't know anything about taylor swift one of the things you quote unquote know about her is that she dates guys breaks up with them and writes songs about them you know that was a thing so it was like i was like well i think it'd be kind of weird if a producer was trying to write lyrics about her relationships and stuff right exactly that song is a good example of that visual, visual bit, bit. and um but then i go back and i look at all these song credits and stuff and i'm like she's she's written all these songs she's at least co-written every song and on a lot of songs she's the only writer like even in the pop like on 1989 on lover on red like there are at least a couple songs that she's the only songwriter and looking at the documentary or looking at like the writing process like even the weird like you know you would call them like little like pop nuances like the ah, 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 ahs or like a ooh, ah, ooh, ah, like 
she comes up with that shit while she's writing on a guitar, which I didn't know. And I was like, that's impressive to me. I thought that was really right. cool. So and, like, and I'm so learning that to, uh, I'm learning that not only is she like not as annoying as I thought she was, but she's also extremely talented. Yeah, and like obviously she's not you know Stevie Ray Vaughan or anything on the guitar, but you know most of the times there is a trade off when you're a musician. You kind of got to choose: are you going to be a songwriter or are you going to be very technically adept? If you have right. both, you're very lucky. Your name's Shh. probably Chris Griotti, and you're probably writing for a lot of big famous musicians right now. Shout, Shout out, out Chris, Chris G. You know, but like not everyone has both. So I yeah, think she, she is also though to she is a, in that regard. She is a pretty good piano player though. But you're right, she's not oh, like yeah, yeah. she's not like a virtuoso and like she's not playing classical stuff or whatever, but like she could definitely play and like she could play and sing complicated shit and she can play and talk, which I feel like can sometimes be so hard for people. Like to just like yeah. calmly play like in time the piano chords and stuff, but also just talk like not in a weird rhythm and just a normal rhythm like i was like that hurts my brain looking at it because i because i haven't played an instrument and sang a lot and arguably i'm playing the easiest instrument there is to play and singing parts that aren't that hard to sing and it was still like such a weird thing that you have to like tell your brain to do like <laughs> it's not yeah. just like a, okay i know the words and i know the part so i just play it and do them at the same time it's like your brain is like wait your mouth and your voice but also your hands and your brain, and you're like trying to listen and sing and play, and you're like, and it's crazy. So, I, mean, so I think you can make that argument about the bass, which is the instrument you play, but I, I, I don't know. I think there are a lot of people who can play an instrument, but the second they have a drummer behind them, they just can't keep rhythm and things like that. So I don't well, think yeah. you gave yourself enough credit there. <laughs> well, we listen, played with the tracks, bass, which is difficult. I think that's true. I think that the bass is one of the easiest instruments to learn how to play, but obviously not one of the easiest to master. I couldn't agree more. We'll have to do our Victor Wooten episode uh, at a different date. True, Maybe and Jocko. Flea in there. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, no, back to um, Taylor back Swift and her to writing, Swift. because yes. I kind of had something I wanted to say about that. You brought up earlier the song, I Knew This Was Trouble. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great example of where the the press and where the music press and where social media kind of doesn't understand what they're talking about. So obviously Taylor Swift is on tour 24 seven. She's doing press circuits when she's not on tour. She's, you know, doing Instagram lives. She's constantly out there with her fan base nonstop. She's there. They cut so many records at, at that level of, of success. Right. They, like they probably cut like three, 400 songs in a year and they use like 24 of them. So she's always working. She doesn't have time to work on the production side. So she has a team and they find someone like, for example, let's say like a Zed or whatever. I don't know if he did that song, but someone Max like Martin that. and Shellback. So perfect. Great example. So Max Martin to, you know, write the music, produce the electronic part, but guys, it's still chords. Like I'm sure she went in there with like her acoustic guitar. Yeah. However it started, as far it as probably all started with an acoustic guitar and someone played a G. I knew mm -hmm. you were. Where can this go next? C. Oh, okay. That kind of works. It's basically, you know, it's as far as, <laughs> as, so far as I could tell, as far as I could tell from the research that I've done, you know, again, I've only yeah, been a Taylor a Swift fan for, you know, like less a than a week. <laughs> about a week um but from what i saw it's basically like she writes all of her songs like on the piano or on the guitar and then she knows you know what producer she's going to work with or whatever and then she either she said she said on one thing that she tries to send whoever she's working with like a uh a uh, like a demo the day or two before they're working together in case that they go i hate this i want to work on something else <laughs> like so that she doesn't so she, get there she always brings a concept at least to the writer's uh, yeah. room yeah always yeah. she always See, has something and, been, and like there was a voice there's a on the deluxe edition of 1989 there's a voice memo thing for the song I Know Places which was co-written and produced by Ryan Tedder of One Republic mm -hmm. uh, also a very talented singer songwriter producer yes, and he uh, she like plays the voice memo that she sent him and it's literally just her sitting at the piano like playing the very beginning and doing the uh 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 I and I was like that's crazy to me that she thought of that part already while she was playing the piano and like she sings the verse or whatever and she's like yeah and then you know it, I just want it to be like this dark pop song and it goes into like a big chorus uh you know you know what i'm getting at and like that's what she said and i'm like yeah see that's what the producer's for she's like i have a song i have the feel of the song help me get that feel out sonically with the right sounds and then because yeah, she didn't have I, I don't know if she i don't know 
who did what in the chorus, but the voice memo didn't have the chorus. And then when you listen to the chorus, it's just like, it's exactly what needed to be there. And it all leads up to it. And it's just all really good. But she is very, she always comes up with the song and then the producers just produce the crap out of it pretty much. And, and that's the thing too. It's like any job has quotas, you know? And mm-hmm. so she, she's, yes, she gets to be a celebrity, but she is employed as a musician from the label, you know? And it's, it's a mutual agreement where they're going to market her if she gives them the results, they're going to market her more. If they start making money, they're going to throw more money into her. She becomes a machine. She becomes a celebrity. That's how it works. So she needs to come up with the product. All businesses need something to sell. But when you're a business, you staff up, right? You hire employees. You, you mm-hmm. hire people for the She's production chain. She's got her chain. 13 you management product team. Out there. Yeah, so I mean, you know, sometimes it's okay to have a producer. Like I, I never understood how people could find out that someone like Drake never writes anything of his own. Or someone right. like Rihanna, the ghost who's writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. an amazing singer, but she doesn't write her own music. That's or like, or like Pink. public information. Right, exactly, Pink. But she's not. It's not that they're like not contributing to the song, though. They're, right. they're putting their performance on it. But then someone like Taylor Swift, who maybe she doesn't write too much of her song sometimes, still gets all the flack. I just don't understand why some of these people come under such a lens about well, it and others don't it's just that's you know, that's one of the it's things like, it's i'm glad that you brought it up like that because that's one of the things that she talks about in her netflix documentary miss americana that i watched last night she was saying like every artist like pop artist has to have some sort of niche even if it's like a really small niche like you need something to be different and interesting so that people give a crap about you, you know? And she was like, for me, it's, I guess it's my storytelling. Like the fact that I write my own songs is like my thing. And that's why people connect with me. Like if I was just singing bland songs, like I'd be forgotten about because that's not special. And she was saying that like her stories and the fact that she writes the songs makes it special. So then that there was another point where she was saying like, you know, she puts out music and she or she stays quiet and she's nice then she's like annoying and uptight or something but then like she speaks out and she's annoying and loud or bossy or whatever it is so it's like she's like at this point it feels like it's more than just me making music it's like i have to make music but also try to like defend myself and like say why i do things and it's like that that's something that i can never understand because i've obviously never had to go through that but it's also like such a crazy thing to think about that you can get to a point where like you're a songwriter and you're like all i've wanted to do my whole life was be a singer songwriter I'm writing these songs, I'm putting them out, and now all of a sudden it's like you also have to like prove something to people that like I like I'm writing these songs cuz I want to do this and not because I want to do this or like I'm a good singer and like I'm writing these songs but like they have this production on it so now you don't think that I'm the one writing it or whatever it is. It's just like it's Right. I think the music industry is fucking crazy and there was some article in that documentary that said like Taylor Swift is the music industry when she was like huge. Like she became massive. Still huge, obviously. Still huge, but I'm saying, like, there was a point where, like, it was like she was here, and then she went up, and then she kind of got some hate, and then she came back, and then she got some hate, and then she just, like, like, whoosh. But the graph always goes up, doesn't it? It always goes up. Yeah, so here's my take on all that, because it's it's pretty interesting to sort of see, like, it's almost, in a sense, you're almost favored by the public more if you're a little more helpless as, like, a mainstream pop artist in the sense that you don't write your own songs, you're told what to wear, what to do, mm-hmm. where to go, and I wonder Like, I feel like Katy like Perry envy, has you know? never had that hate, like, I, f- I don't, no one knows Katy Perry as a songwriter, but, like, no, is but she? maybe that- I don't know if she is. But maybe that's why. Maybe because Taylor Swift is like, yeah, I'm a songwriter. And then if anyone is like, well, then why is Max Martin on I Knew You Were Trouble? And it's like, right. whoa. Like. <laughs> Max Martin was also on uh, It's My Life by Bon Jovi. Look it up. You know, also, he, also, he also wrote Oops, I Did It Again and Baby One More Time. Right. And we'll have to and do list, and, and guess And guess point. what, Kelly Clarkson fans? Avril Lavigne wrote Breakaway. Get right. over it. But here's the thing, like it's like I just never understood why, and I think it's just public envy, you know, because they're like, oh, oh absolutely, wow. like, she's not just helpless; she's kind of paving this way for herself, and mm-hmm. she's fearless. Not to just do that, she but is like, fearless, dude. She got so much flack for that commercial where she was like running on that treadmill for Nike, but like, you know what? Jokes on her or whatever, because she made so much money off that. Like, yeah. and just there's so many like the bad blood video. Everyone's like, "What is she trying to do right now?" Well, she got a lot of YouTube views and made a lot of money off of it. Whether it yeah. was Big Machine Group or her, which 
I don't want to get into like the legal history of all that. You guys right, can look it right, up. Right. She wasn't always the smartest artist. Let's put it that way. She signed a, but no one knows they're going to get that huge. She didn't right. sign the best deal and, early on, but it's and like, she was she, one of Big Machine's big like first signings. Like it's not like she was like, oh, right. this huge label can help me out. Oh no, they took advantage of me. It was like, oh, this small label that wants to work with me. Like yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. And I think a reason, kind of a reason why she rose to the top is because you have a lot of the same when you're mm-hmm. trying to be in that mainstream pop world. You know, like how many Chainsmokers clones can you think of? How many Kygo clones can you think of? There's right. so many, dude. There's, yeah, sure, some of them land in like comfortable little pockets of like a couple hundred thousand listeners, maybe even a couple million listeners on Spotify, and they can do like these small club shows, but they're just kind of following the trends that are set from the album, and then it's like whoever can quickly replicate it the next is like the one who gets like the second bump, you know, but right. they're, they're not like paving their own way. And I think what she did with each record was artist progression, artist growth, which mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. if it is pop, it's still artist progression and it's still artist growth. So to go right. from like a country singer songwriter to like wanting to be a pop artist, I don't personally, this is my opinion now. I don't think that she ever said once, well, now I want to be a pop star. I just think she made amazing pop music because it's what she wanted to do. And so, you know, the rest was history but well because a lot of public envy really is my yes absolutely we're all guilty of it you know like i'm sure part of the reason why i was a 1975 and five seconds of summer hater was because you know deep down i was like why why isn't that me i want to be doing that like why didn't that happen to me like these guys are annoying and like stupid and all these girls love them and i'm not annoying and stupid so why don't all these girls love me like and, and the songs are super simple. They're they're not yeah. intricate at the surface, so they seem easy to do. They seem right, exactly. It doesn't it doesn't seem like that they have anything that I don't. It just seems like they're mm-hmm. at the place that I want to be at, and I'm like, what the hell? Especially when those people are younger than you, you're like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> but no one wants to talk about the countless hours they spend yeah. crafting oh, the yeah. songs, making sure every crafting the songs. Count- like handing out CDs in lines at dumb other shows, you know, handing out flyers, like following thousands of girls who don't know who they are just to be like, please listen to our song that we just put out. You know, like I, I get it. Yeah, and, so um, and she was saying, and she, and she was saying like what you said about how she was country and then she was pop and she was just doing whatever. Like she mentions in the documentary that she has to like constantly reinvent herself every time because like when you're a pop singer, especially a girl, which is also, I'm sure another reason why she was getting so much shit is just because she's a woman. So like, women obviously just there's some weird double standard with women where it's like either you're successful and you're like bossy and scary or you're not successful and you're like you know quiet and docile and dumb or something i don't know but um but what i was saying is like she has to reinvent herself every time and she's like you know your fans are like well we want you to be the same because we love you and we want to be comfortable but you need to be new and exciting so that we don't get bored and you need to be young so that you're shiny and fun but don't get too crazy because then we're uncomfortable, but you need to be entertaining. And it's like, how is anyone supposed to like do that? Like people being like, we want you to be cool and we want you to stay the same because that's why I loved you. But if you stay the same, I'm going to get bored and I want you to stay young because it makes me feel young. But if you're like weird and juvenile, then I'm uncomfortable. So like, don't get too grown up because then I'm also going to be uncomfortable. I need you to just be exactly where I want you to be, even though I don't know what I want because I'm a fan and no one knows what they want before it comes out. Yeah, like, that, that that comes down to what I think is a bigger issue with with marketing in music, and it's kind of why right. I'm very very happy that it seems to be the uh, the fall of the label is upon us as we know it, the old guard, if you will, because right. I, I think when an artist is able to own a hundred percent of what they want uh, of of what they uh, of of what they create, what they produce rather, then what they want is a hundred percent of what you get. You, you're starting to see it a lot more with independent bands, but even on a bigger scale, look at Chance the Rapper. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as I know. He is 100% fully owned. He obviously has collaborators, like an agent, like a manager. But at the end of the day, he's the head of all of his companies. And so as far as I know, again... He, he's he got a here. team, but he's not signed to anybody. Yeah, his vision is 100% what he wants to put right. out there. And I think that's why he is such a groundbreaking artist. Love him or hate him, you at least know about him if you're into music and into the culture of music and like the business side of music. So I feel like she's similar. You know, mm-hmm. she broke away from the label and she sort of fought for her rights, even though, you know, you signed the deal. So it's going to be hard to get out of that one. I'm not really sure where the lawsuit's going, but like right. going I, forward, I, I don't mean, remember that. Folklore, dude. How do but you I also from- know, but I also know that like, uh, you know, we're not going to get into it right now, but I also know looking into it that like that group and like Scooter Braun, maybe not him personally, but at least his company has done like some sketchy shit like that too. 
yeah. people that they work with, which like is the industry, but at the same time, it's like, it, so it's it's kind of like a gray area thing where it's like, yeah, maybe they shouldn't have done that, and it's uh, it, like messed up, but at the same time, you know, like you could have had a better lawyer, you could have read through it more, you know, you didn't have to sign it, whatever, but. That's where we hey, are. Man. Been there, done that. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I can say, uh, I can say, I understand in regards to that, I, I, and I'm sure you as well can sort of sympathize a little bit. But it's one of those things where, like, you never expect to get that big because you're doing something yeah. that so many people are doing. So to rise right. to the top, I think, is a true testament of uh, her her artistry. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you can debate me all day if you want about and that. She's, she right is, there. <laughs> yeah, you listen. At me if you want. I don't care. Follow me. But, but real quick, um, I just kind of wanted to say, like, that's why I think, like, now in this sort yeah. of, like, uh, I think not legacy part of her career, but she's certainly solidified herself as someone who's here to stay in the pop zeitgeist, which already is hard to do. How many Wonder right. Wonders can you name? Like, Tovlo, Gotta Stay High, where did she go after that song? You know what I Talking mean? Talking Bodies, right? Was that really that big of a hit, though? I, I don't know if it was. Not not I to the same not, extent. Yeah. And where right. did it, like, it's been like six years since that song came out now. Where are the string of hits? You know? Right. Like, right. you know, I know we know some people who know him and no diss, but like the ready set had love like whoa for like a minute. Couldn't couldn't follow it up. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like not not that those aren't great songs, they are. But it's just right. so tough. So to solidify yourself, I think you get now you get into the golden age of a pop star. Like we're starting mm-hmm. to see with Ed Sheeran, who I'd love to do a podcast on as well, where it's like, okay, so I did the Red album, and there was a few pop hits, so then naturally my record after that, uh, 1989, is going to be a little more of that because I'm a part of a big machine, no pun intended, and they also have a say in what I do. So we're going to cut a little bit of the country songs, and there wasn't any country songs on 1989. They kind of took the We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together and the 22s of the world and just made like a little less guitar, a little more synth-driven album. It also changed with the times, but now she's out of the contract, that she solidified herself as a player, I think, kind of like a Michael Jackson level. Like, she, we just read that quote earlier. She's achieved mm-hmm. something that before her only Michael Jackson did in music. So now we kind of get, like, the artist side. So she put out the album, uh, I think it was called Lover, right? The one with me and, and Brennan mm-hmm. Urie. And I mean, yeah, I, that was last year, yeah. I don't think that record was a flop because I think when you get that big, people are going to listen to it anyways. It, it was not a flop at all. Yeah, I don't think it was as well received as some of her other records but it also kind of felt like that wasn't really what was happening in pop music at the point in time it was a little more like in my opinion to like early 2010s pop it wasn't like the hip chain smokers drop type pop well. that like Katy Perry started to fall into and stuff so now I think you're starting to get with folklore like the true artistry of her with these past two albums because she solidified herself so I think she's going to get more hate but I also well, think it's going to be, think... for the fans, something very enjoyable. Andrew, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank, thank you, Chris. Uh, well said. Thank you. Um, I hope it made sense. It, it made sense in my head. What I was going to say is that I would say that Lover definitely did well. Um, but I think the re- <laughs> visual bit, but I think that the reason why it seemed like that lover wasn't that big was because last year especially like the big thing was bands like it was all 1975 the band camino you know laney stuff like that you know bad sons whatever like it was all bands and harry styles i guess but he sounded the same as those bands so true whatever and you know so i feel like it was that and like sad summer you know and like some crazy pop punk resurgence stuff was going on like that's true. My uh, so Chemical I think romance so I, came back. Right. So it's not so much that like Lover wasn't huge because like the singles on it, like I forgot that these singles were on this album because I was like, holy crap, like I remember these singles. Um So I don't it's not that it wasn't that huge. <laughs> it was just that it wasn't, you know, like the type of thing that was the number one thing at that moment. So as much there were people talking about it, but there were just more people talking about <laughs> Thanks. The other stuff. I think Chris has decided that when I'm talking, he's going to no longer speak with his mouth. He's only going to speak visual, via visual gags. <laughs> YouTube.com slash talking with Andrew and Chris. Andrew, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, 1989 was like the album, you know, like, because, dude, there's this part of the documentary which, like, on the one hand, like, my immediate reaction was like, 
this is not a relatable moment. So it's like kind of <clears> weird <throat> to watch. But then at the same time, I was like, but I also understand like the humanness of it. Like there's a part in it where she's getting a call from, I guess her manager or somebody um, waiting to hear about Grammy nominations for when, after she put out reputation, which was F wait, no, it was after 1989. Yeah. It was the record. Yeah. After that. But now I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was about red. I don't remember what album it was about. Cause I think whichever album won a Grammy. Oh, you're talking about something from the doc. Gotcha. Yeah. Whichever album won a Grammy this is the album before that that she was waiting to hear about if she got nominated for a Grammy. Jamie, and she, and she, our our producer's name is not Jamie, for the record. <laughs> I wish it was. We'd be making a lot of money. <laughs> um. Anyway, she gets a call and she's like, "Yeah." So as far as the out al- like album of the year or whatever it was goes, you didn't get nominated. It was 1989. Like, it won three awards at the 58th annual. Grammy Awards, including uh, her second album of the year win, making her the first woman. Okay, that might not be the one then. Damn. Which one didn't win then? See, it's hard when you have an I guess it was red. Well, it was also like that documentary covered like a couple of years, and I couldn't figure out when it was, and I don't remember, and I only watched it once last night. Mm-hmm. So, was it like not the either, best way, documentary? either way, the album names don't really matter right now. She gets a call. Her album is not nominated for a Grammy. She's very upset about that. You know, she works very hard on music and literally like she just says on the phone, like the lady's like, uh, so as far as this album goes, like you're not nominated. And she goes, oh, it was That's red. Good. It was red. It was red that wasn't nominated. Yep. Cause she won cool. it for fearless in 2010 and she felt that it was a way stronger effort. And it, it says there you uh, go. from billboard that like it was way better received by the fan base. Everything had been going up like we spoke about. And mm-hmm. so, uh, she, she credited it there to you go. Uh, politics. So. Right. And then, so she was like, yep, that's fine. I just have to make a better record. And the lady on the phone was like, well, I mean, you know, I'm still going to wait for the pop stuff and all this other stuff. So, you know, don't get crazy. And she's like, no, I'm going to make a better record. And I'm like, that's such a crazy thing to think about. Like, obviously, I can't relate to winning a Grammy, waiting to find out if I'm nominated for another Grammy and then being upset when I didn't get nominated for a Grammy. I can't relate to that because I'm not there. But (laughs) I can relate to working really hard, being very proud of something, and then somebody being like, eh, that was okay. And you're like, but you liked the other thing I did and this is so much better. And they're like, eh. Yeah, like, like there's not enough what? passion in the vocals or something like that. Right, yeah. Like ex- exactly, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that kind of thing where you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but like I can't argue with you because you're the one who decides it, so whatever. And then she comes back and makes 1989, in my opinion, her best album ever. And I was just like, damn. Andrew, that's crazy. That's crazy that she already wrote a Grammy winning album, then writes another album that at least her fans are like, this album is amazing. And then she goes, okay, I have to make a better album and I will. And then she does. And I just, I have to applaud that. Like, yeah, it's because it, it's one thing to just want to make a better album. Obviously, everybody always wants to make a better one, but you don't always. And she just decided to and did. Right, and a big part of what I enjoy doing, not that I've done it publicly, is uh, just highlighting hypocrisy lately. I feel like there's just a lot of that going around. And so I kind of want to say, like, that comment that I made, it comes from personal experience where Andrew and I were talking to someone to potentially work with in our old band. And uh, we had first gotten a comment that the vocals didn't have enough passion. And then three months go by, and we send them the same song, same recording, no different, and we get offered a contract. So it's just all a bunch of politics. That's why I respect her so much for sticking to her guns, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so and she's and she's gone through so much shit like that. We're like, first, like, there's a whole part about when, uh, and I remember when this happened. I forgot that it happened, but then watching the documentary, I was like, oh, yeah, that did bother me because I was dumb back then. She, and I want to just, um, oh, go ahead, well, I'm sorry. Was, yeah, sorry. It's like, uh, she never talked about politics, and, like, if someone asked her about politics, she's like, oh, well, you know, I'm a singer, and, like, like obviously I do care about politics, and I have an opinion, and, like, whatever, but, you know, people don't really care. Like, they just want to hear me sing songs, so I'm just going to sing songs. And she was just like, you know, I'm this nice girl that does it. <laughs> yeah, dude, come on. My, na- my name's first. <laughs> um, where, you know, she was just this nice girl that didn't bother anybody and wasn't mean to people or whatever, and then... Um, some Tennessee senator was running and it was a woman who was a Republican who, uh, like, you know, just Taylor Swift didn't agree with her, with her policies 
I'll just put it like that. She didn't like what she stood for, and she and this senator was winning, and she wasn't she like she wasn't like well I have to trick like you know tell people to go vote for what I want to vote for. But she was like please like there's a scene where she's like begging her management team basically being like please I want to talk about like I'm not trying to be like I'm not trying to come out as like I'm a mega Democrat. Let's all be Democrats, blah, blah, blah. She's like, I just want to talk about this woman and like how I feel about this because this is the state I live in. This is, you know, a midterm election with senators and these are issues I care about a lot. I just want to talk about them. And her management team is like, yeah, but we don't want to talk about that and do this. And one of the guys on the team literally goes, all right, Taylor, well, what if I came to you with an idea and told you that this idea will cause half as many people to come to your shows? And I was like that is a good point. And she's like, I don't care. And like, I want to be on the right side of history. And it's such a crazy thing that like, she had to like beg her management team to talk about an opinion she had. And then she shared it. And all of a sudden it's like national news. Like she shows the scene of her, like sending the tweet with her mom and her publicist. And they're all like, Oh my God. And then like, it cuts to like, Oh, <laughs> I fucking... gotta watch this. Damn. And then it cuts to like a blitz of news things that are like Taylor Swift finally comes out about politics and all this other shit. Mm-hmm. And then it like shows Donald Trump and they're like, how do you like Taylor Swift's jumping into politics? What do you think about that? And he's like, uh, let's just say I like her music 25% less. <laughs> and I was like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny to say that. Wow, um, that's, uh... and it was like, it was this crazy thing where like, just because she goes, Hey, by the way, guys, I'm voting for this guy for Senate for senator and not this lady like everybody in america was like taylor swift is preaching dem- is pe- uh, preaching politics and this and that and she's a dummy and she doesn't know anything and she hates america or this and that and blah blah and i'm like all she said was i'm voting for this guy <laughs> that's all she said and it's just crazy that like like i feel like celebrities talk about politics all the time but like i don't remember them ever getting as much backlash as that when that happened dude and that's the thing man fearless you know that's gonna keep coming back to that just partly because it's really funny but also i think it's true and, and yeah so it seems say, that way she she's she's one of the most hardworking people in the music industry right now for sure this is what i was talking about with i have hope for the future of music maybe not so much for our country but for the future of music because the artist is taking the power back it's 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 you mm-hmm. know and 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 she kind of probably you know through moments like this realized like I needed the contract maybe to get here. She came out in like the mid 2000s. It was a completely different musical landscape. Social media hadn't become what it was as far as helping artists propel and, and expand their careers. But I think that those are big moments where it's like, okay, I need the power in my hands now. And I think we're starting to see that where I know she's still signed to a major, but I'm sure that the leverage she had going into that agreement made it justifiable to sign that deal, you know? Because mm-hmm. to front all the money that I'm sure a big machine fronted to her would be very difficult to match. That's uh, it's hard for I think any human being to you know go up against the uh, the bank, the income of a corporation, unless you're like a billionaire, which she's very rich. I, is she a billionaire? I don't know. That'd be interesting no, to I find don't, out. I don't. I don't think so. She's definitely you know hundred millionaire probably. I would assume, but we also don't know because of how much she didn't get from her contract. But all that aside, all the legal jargon aside, those kind of decisions. Knowing you can get right. sued. Knowing I think that. she, I think she's on Republic Records now. Okay, gotcha. So a little bit of a smaller major, but I'm sure her deal is uh, right where she wants it to be. But I mean, that's just like I respect. Well, I mean, that at a lot this honestly, at this point, she, she might. I don't know. I don't think she really needs a label at this point. <laughs> I think it's just for the marketing money, you know. I, I think. I guess, but it, but she literally didn't market folklore. She that's put true. up a post. She put up a post and said, "Hey, I've been writing an album while in isolation." And I collaborated with a couple people and it's coming out like tomorrow at midnight and a music video is also coming out. And that was it. And And it already has like, and the biggest song has like 40 million plays already. Yeah. And this is why I say it's awesome what's happening with the music industry, you know, and I really hope that one day she goes fully independent because she's done a lot speaking out for artists as well in regards to Mm -hmm. royalties and going up against Spotify. We didn't even get into that. I mean, there might be a swift cast part two down the line. So I really hope that she goes (laughs) fully independent. Cause I also, from what you told me about like in the doc, hold on, Andrew, I'm going to let you go in a second. Just let me finish. I, uh, I got to say, like, I I think that it, (laughs) yikes, cut that out. No, I'm just kidding. uh, We didn't even get into that, really. I had to. I had to. It's just all in good fun because obviously she came out on top. And so, like, this is just the thing outside of the music. 
that the more I learned about this artist, I was already on board when I was a younger man, and I was like, well, she writes her own songs, and I hate pop music other than that. That's the reason I don't like pop music, because I can't respect it, but I can respect her for writing her own music. So the more I learn, like you watching this doc, now I got to go watch it tonight. And, and the more I learn, it's only I'm just an hour like, 25. Damn, this is awesome. This girl knows what she's doing. She's a beast. <laughs> she really is. Yeah. Listen, we might have to get into a second episode because I asked, because like, like I've said, haven't been a fan for very long. <sighs> ah, visual bit. Quick sip. Uh, I haven't been a fan for very long, but I know people who are big fans of her for a long time. And I asked one of those fans like 13 questions. <laughs> Ironic. Didn't even mean to do that, but uh, I asked her like 13 questions just to get like a fan's perspective of it, and we didn't even really get into that either, and I don't know how much you want to get into that. Well, we have a, a little bit of, of time, so I kind of want us to just real quick, and, and we'll, we probably will revisit this, and I think we do a Max Martin episode as well down the line, because... Oh. You know what? Listen, I'm already making a playlist called Master Max Martin, and it's just any song I see his name on it, it goes in that playlist. Send that to I'm me. Right, I'll start I'm already at like 36. It. But uh, as we know, next week you're going to get to decide the topic. It seems like we're alternating, which I enjoy very much. So, And so with that being said, I think the reason why I wanted to do this episode was originally just to talk about the new record, Folklore, because I had a feeling which, that there was like... Which we barely did. One chance. Well, we have like 15 minutes now. We can't get into it. Because I thought, true, all right, true. I know he hates her, but I know she's awesome, and I know he would like her music. If there was one record that could do it, it's Folklore. And I wasn't going to try again if you didn't get hooked on this record. I was going to be like, I tried... I'm done. Another it's big, true. another big part of the art of war is knowing when to admit defeat. And so it's true. when Chris, was, when you know, Chris, Chris texted me and said, you know, we were like, well, what are we talking about for the next episode? And he was like, well, have you listened to folklore? And I don't remember the exact words I said, but if I can paraphrase, I believe what I said was no, but a friend of mine listened to it, said she didn't like it. So I have a feeling I'm not going to like it. Right, and I have I had a feeling you would say something like that. But and here I am a week later, having listened to all of her albums except two of them, and gotta say, haven't really found anything I haven't liked. So this is what I wanted to ask you, and I think this would be a really great way to sort of end this brief overview. I think we could go on about this forever, but unfortunately we just don't have the time for that. But we'll do this again. I think there's a lot to talk about with an artist this big and popular. I like, I like that hashtag, Chris. <laughs> hashtag Sun Tzu. Hashtag. Let's get it trending. Um, <laughs> Visual oh, bit. So with that being said, Andrew, what was it about folklore that sort of changed this entire thought process you had on Taylor Swift? Um, well... It's crazy because, like, I saw before I listened to it, I saw her post that was, you know, like, I wrote an album, I worked with people, and like, I like the idea of folklore. It's like stories that, like, are true, but people have been telling them, so they're kind of embellished, but like, not that much, and all this other stuff, you know? And I read that, and like, my immediate gut reaction, because I was still a hater at that point, I was like, ugh, so like dumb and pretentious, whatever, I don't care. But then, like, I thought about it, and I was like, but that is kind of a cool concept. Like, folklore is a cool thing, and whatever blah 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 and then like i saw that she was just dropping an album and i was like uh, that's kind of crazy um hmm, let's see and I, re I started listening to it and the first song the one like i remember listening to it and being like okay i need to separate the art from the artist because if i keep telling myself like i'm listening to taylor swift I'm going to be annoyed, and I'm going to look for things to to be bothered by. Like, I'm going to try and not like this album, so I'm like, whatever. Let me just listen and pretend either it's somebody else or, like, pretend that, like, I don't know, like, I'm working on this song, and this person just sent it to me, like... <laughs> it's true. Chris, Chris's visual gags, man. And, <clears throat> you know, I was like, let me try to pretend that, like, I'm working on this song, too, so, like, I want to like it. And... I started listening to the album like that, and I was like, okay, the one is a pretty good song. song. The song slaps. So I was like, that's a pretty good start to the album. Then Cardigan comes on, and I saw that that was the single, and like everybody was like, oh my god, I freaking love this song. So I listened to that one, and I was like, definitely solid. I don't know if I would have made this one a single, but I do like it. 
Then it's followed up by The Last Great American Dynasty. And that one I was like, hold on a second. These lyrics are kind of weird. I don't completely understand the story. And I'm not a huge fan of the story. But the song is so good that even though I don't really give a crap about the lyrics, like, it's so good. And I'm just... The lyrics make that song for me. Yeah, that's that's really funny. I think it's like everything else about it that makes it so good. And... And I'm just, and like, you know, next year when, or at the, or in like fucking five months from now or something, when the next Punk Goes Pop goes out, goes out, if this song isn't on it, I have, it has to, dude, it always happens. People, if people are still buying it, it's going to happen. Listen, you don't have to buy it. But all I'm saying is that this song, if you, if someone takes the last great American dynasty and makes into a pop punk jam, like that's going to be a pop punk banger. I'm just saying it lends, I feel like it lends itself really well to do that. And that was also <laughs> my big thought when I was listening to it before I really shed the full hater blockers. I was like, I like this song a lot, but I just wish it was like a, like I wish that this song was on like lover or 1989. So it would be like a fully produced pop banger. Cause like it could have been, but I still love it as it is. And then exile with Bon Iver, Like I don't really live. <laughs> Listen, I'm down to do that kind of segment. I have a lot of big thoughts. Big thoughts. Um, then Exile featuring Bon Iver. I don't listen to Bon Iver. It's not because I don't like him. It's not like for Me any neither. reason. I just I just never got to. But I want to after hearing yeah. this song. Yeah, I, I mean, everybody I, I, seems I to love it. him. I enjoyed it I like I, I like his singing. But I have to say that this is probably my least favorite song on the album. Like, I, mm. it's just like, if, like, it feels like such a cool build and it builds the whole time, but then I feel like there's just no real payoff. I just want it. I want it to like get huge and like, like, it's like, like, it sounds like there's like an orchestra and then right. like a drum set. Like, you know, obviously not in this exact way, but similar to the way that your guardian angel by red jumpsuit apparatus, like the whole song just builds. And then the last chorus is huge like that. That's what I wanted for this song. So what and I'm it didn't gathering happen. is that this album made you think a lot from track it made me think a lot can i just say real quick because i I necessarily don't know if i don't want to go in i'm not gonna song i'm not gonna do that but i just want to say my favorite ones are last great american dynasty seven august invisible string and peace i i I agree with that i would I, i would have to throw in mirrorball that I, uh, one's good too. I enjoy that one. I, I gotta say, I, to be honest with you, I was scared at the first song, uh, the the first line of the first song. I was like, "Oh no!" Like I love this I backdrop. I don't remember what it is. I, I love this vibe. I love this setting. But then she comes out with like this super hip lyric. It's I I forget exactly what it was. But uh, it, Andrew, pull it up real quick, will you? Come on, Greg, pull it up. Um, Greg, while Greg pulls it up. Um, <laughs> I just was like, oh, no, but I, I had to give it a chance. You know, I had to give it a chance because I had heard that she was back to her I'm roots. doing good. I'm on some new shit. Yeah, I wasn't. I was like, ooh, that gets You me didn't like scared. the I'm on some new shit. I did not like that. I did yeah. not like that. That's similarly how I felt during some songs on Reputation where I'm like, is she rapping? Right. Not a, not <laughs> like, a fan of that. I don't understand. Bad Blood did unfortunately really well in that regard. <laughs> that's just what i'll say but i mean you know it's one of those things where I, I gave it a chance and i just remember like getting to track three the last great american dynasty and, and i was just like hmm so even though this isn't like the most political song she at least understands history and she's like putting a little bit of like american history into a song at least from my perspective the way i interpreted well, it I don't and know if you like read the, her like the, her post when she put the album out, but she was saying the like no, I don't the, I, don't I don't know if it's every media, song except to promote my own selfish endeavors. <laughs> right, I don't know if it was about every song, but she was saying that like a lot of the songs were just her telling stories. Like she would think of a character and then just write a story. So like that's why it's called folklore is because it's a bunch of stories. That's that, cool. like so. I want to do an episode on Americana, which I think is an awesome style of music, and that that, that song feels very Americana in the sense that it like tells a story of like an, an, an entrepreneurial type person and just sort of like you know taking like life by. Well, uh, it reminded me of like The Great Gatsby. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it was just cool. It was like, hmm. yeah, to get this from an artist of that size is it could polarize right. some of her audience. It might turn some people right. off. 
Exactly. Just like it turned me off a little bit. So that's where I knew I was hooked. I was like, wow, this is bold. Track three, because you know everyone's going to at least listen to this record once if they're at least right. on that zeitgeist, on that wavelength that we're on. And and, and uh, they'll at least get to like the middle of the album. So they're definitely listening to track three. And I loved it too, man. I just thought like the music was awesome. I think the mixes and the production just really complemented it. I, it just really felt like this was her sitting down with her guitar being locked indoors and just writing up some songs. I don't know if this was written during quarantine. I don't really know the timeline of this record. That's what she said. She said she wrote it in isolation and then... Makes so much sense. I loved you it. You know, I had loved the collaborators it so afterwards. That is so cool. That's like a way to take this bad situation, this quarantine, and just show people like, you don't just have to like... I read an article the other day. Uh, sugar consumption is on the rise. You don't have to just eat ice cream and sit around in your sweatpants all day. You can get something done, you know? I respect it. I've been eating a lot of sugar. It's it's a big problem right now. But yeah, so I mean, I just thought this record was bold to do at this point in time, and especially the direction as well, to just right. go from lover to this, and mm-hmm. just to like drop it out of nowhere. I just thought it was well, also I'm, cool. Well, I'm, sure I'm sure it wasn't necessarily the plan, you know, but... It, it probably wasn't. It probably wasn't. Again, her perseverance, her fearlessness, I think, is a, is a big reason why I respect it, to be honest with you. Fearless. She is fearless. Andrew, I honestly could talk about this for like another two hours. I, I think we... Surprisingly, I could also talk <laughs> about this for another few hours. I think we scratched the surface, and we'll have, yeah, to, uh, we'll have to come I back didn't to even, this. I didn't get into the questions. We didn't get into the Kanye thing. No, we could we really dive into these albums, because I know that we could probably have four episodes about just 1989. Yeah, we definitely will. Um, we have a couple good ideas coming up, and if you guys are liking the new style of the show, let us know in the comments below. Yes, and if you want us to, you know, talk about these episodes that we mentioned, because I know we mentioned episodes in our last one, too, that we'd want to do, like, a Beatles episode and, you know, like, a Martin Cast. whatever, Martin Cast, a Jonas Brothers episode, you know. and Max Martin. Right, 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 of course, of course, um, which, uh, oh, I am going to want to cover the new Night Game record when it drops, by the way. Hold on, I sent you a picture, I just got to pull this up real quick, because no I'm rush. 99% sure... <laughs> that Martin Johnson wrote a song with her. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about that. I can just... Martin Johnson, for those of you guys who don't know, was the former lead singer of Boys Like Girls, and he uh, has become a songwriter since, and also has an incredible band called The Night Game, and they're awesome. And there's a bunch of pictures right now. Um, I would say The Night Game is more of a group. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's more of just a project. It's kind of just him, and then he just has musicians. But oh, they had a little thing in two thousand eight, apparently. So that's not surprising. Either way, they have a song that he co-wrote a song with her, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and there's a couple pictures of them on Google right now um, performing together. So you know, Martin Johnson, uh, he knows people, and we'll cover the night game. But he gets around that music industry. Wow, he went there. All right, well, uh, Andrew, I think uh, we, we had a really good episode, and so with that being said, we do have to wrap it up. Andrew, why don't you tell the people where they can find us, what we do on a regular basis here on the show, and what to expect from us in the coming weeks. Well, if you want to listen to us, you can find us anywhere. Uh, pod- uh, wow, Podify. Podcasts are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, some other ones that have podcasts. We're on Stitcher. Stitcher's the one that I couldn't remember. Thank you, Google Podcasts. That one, too. That's not made up at all. There's a bunch. If you want to watch us, we're on YouTube.com slash Talking with Andrew and Chris, where you can see all the visual gags that Chris is is, uh, killing and throwing at me literally all the time. I haven't done a single one. Because he has all the power on StreamYard, but I think that's that's the way to do it. Right, I could do a new segment via these these visual gags. So uh, get to YouTube, like, subscribe, leave some comments, give us some feedback. Uh, we have an email. Technically, ask talking with Andrew and Chris at gmail.com if you want to send us a subject topic if you will we'll cover it we are fine we're, we're also on all the social medias chris are chris and mine's personals are right here on the screen yeah um we're also at talking podcast on all the social medias check us out chris had 
Chris has his own stuff on there too. Talking TV is, and uh, on YouTube, he does his own stuff too. Sometimes I'm going to be coming out with another podcast very soon called Anime Forenzu, which is going to be a lot of fun. My yeah. pal Sarah, so stay that. tuned. So I'm not going to stay tuned in, for that. The graphics look That's awesome. <laughs> I got to see a little sneak peek of that. I'm very excited for your show. Yeah, so so listen, guys. We are going to start posting, as we have been, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday on YouTube. The episode goes up on Monday. And if you don't have patience, if you just want the best parts of the show, well, we're giving you a few clips on Wednesdays and Fridays. All episodes go live at 2 p.m. on YouTube. They go live on all audio platforms every Monday at 5 a.m. We are back. We are better than ever. Follow us. Get hip to it. This is the new style of the show. Don't worry. Don't worry. We will still have guests come on. But people are unreliable and everyone's under a lot of stress right now. So we just kind of don't want to put the pressure on someone to be like, oh man, like I can't make today. I'm so sorry. You guys don't have an episode now. We want to fight that. You know, Andrew, what do you got to say? And Chris and I have a lot of things that we just want to talk about that we don't want to have to talk over a guest to say. Right. So we'll start to integrate the old format with the new format, but the show's changing. Yes, we're going to have we're going to have guests on to talk about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Is what he's saying. This is slowly going to transition into a purely Taylor Swift podcast so get ready for that yeah for the first time in a few months i've been picking up my guitar and i've been writing some music and i'm just brushing off the cobwebs the first songs you always write aren't even worthy of a voice memo but just to get that thought process rolling again we have a lot in the works so again go follow my other show my other podcast called talking tv proudly a part of the talking podcast network we post i was even on a couple episodes myself he was more recently our avatar the last airbender episode where we cover an a modern classic we post every monday wednesday friday be on the lookout i know for a fact andrew and his co-host sarah are recording their newest episode their first episode of anime frenzy and uh it's coming soon only on the talking podcast network so uh with that being said we have a lot in the works this show is back it is i'd say better than ever we have a bunch of topics coming up in the next few weeks and we're excited to have you guys join us and we will go live if you subscribe so please help us make that possible yes your support literally means the world and we need all the support we can get to give you all the content that you can consume yeah so with that being said we're out of here guys and as always stay sweet stay sweet